And I trust that you brought the word with you this morning. So I want to invite you today uh, to turn uh, into your Bibles there. Uh, Open your Bible up to Ephesians uh, chapter 6. I trust that you brought the word with you. So go to Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, put your finger there there on verse 4. We're going to be looking at that. Um, And so we've been talking about God's word, uh, God's word to, you know, specific people or different roles uh, that people play uh, in, in the family or really the family of God. And I, I love that we can gather in the house of, of God and we can be a family, really, and, and we can have this devotional time, this time that we spend in the Word. And today we're talking about God's Word to dads. But remember, the Word of God transcends generations. And the Word of God, it, it bridges the gap and it is relevant. The truths of God's Word are relevant whether we are young or old or single or married or widowed. And so God has something to say to everybody today, I believe, as we look at the Word of God. <clears throat> Just a, a little bit ago, I was delighted that um, Chuck and Leanne Downing, I don't know how many know Chuck and Leanne Downing, but they invited Heidi and I to go to a Padres baseball game. It's the third time that we've attended, and they've won every time that we've been to a game, so somebody needs to let the team know that. Uh, so, so, you know, I don't know what happens, but we go, they win, they hit home. I love it. Well, anyhow, I've been visiting the little stores there and I'm thinking, I need a, I need a Padres hat. I live in San Diego now. I need a root for our team. And, uh, but on that night, we went with Chuck and Leanne. It was hat night and they gave away free hats. And I thought it was awesome. And, and so Heidi had her little hat on and I had my hat. And, and I thank the Lord that there's this Velcro thing on the back because Heidi has a cute little head. But I know I have a big old bulbous head. I'm like one of those things on the dash in the car. You know, my head is just kind of the older I get, the heavier my head gets. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I heard that a man's head keeps growing, Ricardo. I don't know. I mean, it's just it's a reality. I just but anyhow, I praise the Lord that we have, you know, this uh, little Velcro thing on the back because. You know, one size fits all. And I'm having fun and I mean no disrespect, but I look at the word and the word of God, man, it's one size fits all. It's one size fits every heart. And the word of God, it applies. It is relevant. Amen. And we come to this idea of of God's word to fathers. And it's really relevant because why? God is our father. I like that idea, that terminology. God is our father. In fact, we go to 1 Corinthians 8, 6 and we read, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. So, so there's some things that this passage kind of tells us right out of the starting yet, and that is that we exist because of our Father in heaven. I mean, our Father created us. Just as he created, you know, the moon and the stars and the sun above and all of that. He is the creator. But man, this is more personal than that because this is a father in heaven who loves us, a father who created us. And he created us, the scripture says, in a wonderful and beautiful way. And every one of us, we are unique and we are special. And we have God the Father in heaven who is like that. I like the way that uh, Dr. Jamie Gates explained it last night in our In Common service. In our In Common or Young Adult service last night. Uh, Jamie was saying, he was referencing the, the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, which art in heaven. And he says it's neat that the title given to God is Father, not some grandiose title, you know, that is there above and distant and away from us. But we have this title, God that is our Father. Jesus said to pray that way. And so we have the Father like a person that's a part of the family. 
you know, the person that is sitting there in the living room, that we have this kind of intimate, this kind of intimate creator that loves us. He is our father. He desires to have relationships. So we, we realize we exist and we have meaning because God created us. And then he not only created us, follow me now, he created us with a purpose in life. And our purpose is to glorify him so that we glorify the father through our words. We glorify the father through the way that we love our lives. And he is glorified as we live for him. Amen. And it's interesting as we talk about fathers that one description of holiness is being a father to the fatherless. I mean, we're talking about fathers. So now we see even the role of the church. That takes us beyond these four walls and it takes us out into this world because the scripture calls us and demands of us that we are father to the fatherless. And so that we are even as a church, as a congregation, we are to be like a father, you know, to the world that is hurting, the world that is around us, those that are fatherless. So we have this high calling that God has given to us, ordained unto us as his body or his children. But it is it is still it's very personal. It brings it. We come back to the home when we talk about a father, because as a father, it it does. There's no question. It does begin at home. And then we look at Ephesians chapter six, verse four, our text this morning. Look at that for a moment. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So. So we're saying to the father, again, this is God's word to you, dad, or, you know, the father that maybe, you know, has you have kids at home or maybe you have teenagers. The father, maybe your children are grown or maybe your grandfather. But yet this is this is still relevant that we're not exasperating our children. What does that mean? What do you think that means to exasperate? I mean, isn't that an idea of like, you know, pushing somebody you know, to the very limits, you know, pushing them to the point where they are exasperated. They're at the end of themselves. Maybe it's the idea of there is no more patience. I mean, imagine if patience were a bucket. You see, this is saying that do not push your child so far that the bucket is empty. And I understand that there are fathers that that have not only done that, but they smashed the bucket. They thrown the bucket away and they've been a, a lousy father. I understand that. But but we recognize there's still the admonition here, instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. So we find that really, where does the direction come from? It comes from the Lord. Amen. Even in relationships, even in relationships, that we do not exasperate those relationships or, or create awkwardness or do things that creates, you know, emotions of frustration or angst that that creates, you know, a bad a bad relationship, a bad experience. So, so the challenge is for all of us. I, I, I just, I need to pause and say, I, I want to praise the Lord that God gave me a awesome, a wonderful father on earth. My dad's name was Norm, Norman, and uh, he hated his name, by the way. I don't know why he always said that through life. He hated. It. He passed. He's with Jesus now. He went to be with Jesus about five years ago. But I praise the Lord that God gave me an earthly father. That desired, you know, to be connected with his kids. He desired to be connected with me. And part of being connection, connected with me, he wanted to pass on his knowledge of, of, of electrical, of the physics of electricity. He was an electrician. In fact, he was a journeyman electrician. He was an electrician, a chief electrician on the USS Enterprise. My dad was in World War II in the Battle of Midway. Uh, very historical. Uh, 
Later on, he was in the Merchant Marines, traveled for about 11 years as an electrician on ships. Then later on, um, he began to work for Boeing. And when they were building the first 747, the first SST, if you remember that plane, he wasn't in the avionics, but on the electrical side of it. So dad was this awesome electrician and he wanted, he wanted to transmit or translate that knowledge of electricity to me. So he spent time with me. You know, trying to communicate with me the idea of electricity. A couple things I learned. The first thing that he taught me is that I, you do not have to fear electricity. He showed me that you could touch a hot wire, you know, that's on and not get electrocuted. So as long as you show it respect, you know what you're doing, you do not have to fear electricity. He showed me that. Now, I need to put a disclaimer. Do not go home and try this, okay? Bad idea. So anyhow, he, he took the fear of electricity out of me. And then the second thing that my father showed me is he taught me how to splice what you call splicing wires together, how to connect wires. And he, he showed me the rat tail splice, which is you strip off the plastic of the wire and then you put the wires together like this. And then you kind of twist them like this. You can put a cap on it or wrap it with tape. It's called the rat tail splice. Uh, he, he showed uh, he showed me the Western Union splice, and that's where you take the plastic off and then you wrap the, the wires together they're kind of like this. And so they're wrapped together like this, and then you kind of put a clamp on it or put electrical tape on it. The Western Union splice. Then he fo- showed me the, the funnel, the split funnel splice, where you take the plastic off the wire and you have these smaller copper wires and then you kind of you push them together like this to make the connection and then you wrap it up with electrical tape or some kind of clamp and so you make the connection like that that's called the funnel splice and my father did that trying to teach me how to make the connection but the really cool thing is while he was teaching me how to make the connection my father made the connection my father who loved me desired to spend time with me and wanted to share with me his knowledge and he spent the time that made the connection and folks i'm telling you what it is awesome to have a great relationship with your father amen and and i understand that some have maybe not had that opportunity i understand that and i understand that sometimes we we miss out on certain things but this is god's word to dads and what i'm saying to dads is take the time to make the connection be connected with your children and put the time in and put the effort in. And I understand that, you know, one way is not the only right way. There's many ways that we can be connected with our children. And the, the deal is here to just figure it out. I mean, how, how do we make, you know, how do we make the connection? And you say, well, pastor, how do we do that on a, a spiritual level, you know, with our kids? And again, this transcends all generations. I'm going to fly to whatever role you're in. How do we how do we make the connection with our children? Well, I have a few ideas. One idea is is live what you believe. Say that with me out loud. Live what you believe. In fact, in Proverbs 22, 6, we read, train a child up in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. You see, I, I guess what this is saying to us, in essence, I mean, to summarize it in kind of, I think, a sharp way is we cannot give or we cannot pass on what we do not have ourselves. We cannot transmit to our children something that we do not have. And so, wow, this is this accountability that we are to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, dads. 
That, that we are to make sure that our relationship with God is what that relationship needs to be. And that, that we are confessing to God and we are coming to Him. And that we are obedient to Him. And that we have relationship with the Father. And, and I, I believe that, that we cannot, you know, we cannot shortchange that, that part of our responsibility. Because transmitting our faith to our children, listen to this, transmitting our faith to our children is a lifelong experience. And yes, whether this is a message to our fathers or to our grandfathers and mothers, our, our faith, transmitting that faith, it, it's lifelong. I, I, we're in a fun place now, Heidi and I, and, and one of the things that's kind of shocking me, it's a surprise to me, and Heidi and I have had this discussion, how we are impacting our adult children's lives. I remember Dr. James Dobson, family psychologist, he uh, he used to talk about the fact that children, and for you young people that's not married yet, he teaches that children really, they really have their value system in place by the time that they're nine years of age. So it's important that you're teaching those values, those moral, biblical values early in life. And I believe there's a lot of truth to that, right? But, but I believe that transmitting your faith is a lifelong Thing, a lifelong experience. And, and what we're having fun with right now is our kids are facing, you know, adult things, adult crises in life, different things. And, and so we're sharing with them our faith in the midst of the crisis. And it's fun because it's actually changing the way they're responding. And we can see them maturing and they are actually listening to us. And it's fun. Transmitting our faith is a lifelong experience. It's a lifelong thing. And so granddads and grandmas. Know that God is still using you and he's still speaking through you. So this is all to say really what, what, what I want to say, that, that values, they are more caught, and you've heard that, they're more caught than they're taught, right? They're more caught than you're taught. And so it, the deep, long-lasting impression is not in, you know, all the things that you're saying, you've got to do this and this. It, it's in the, the life that we're living, the way that we're being an example to our children and to those that we love. But it, it's how we live. Amen. So the first idea, the first advice is to live what you believe. We have that there, to live what you believe. What is the second? The second thing is to live in such a way as to embrace humility and repentance. Young people, listen to this for just a moment. Live in such a way as to embrace humility and repentance. I cannot think of a time where I experienced a spiritual breakthrough at camp even. When I was not broken. My, my spiritual breakthrough did not come when Tony Miller was confident. It didn't come when I really knew all the answers. Usually I found myself broken, and yes, at camp, at the altar, and I, I'm, I'm in nothing for myself. I direct everything to God that, that if there's a new level or is there a new depth that happens, it's in brokenness before the Lord that God does his work in us. Amen. And, and there's just something about it. That's how God created us and how we experience him and, and I recognize that what we need is not more fancy quotes on humility. What we need is humility. Amen. You know, not sharper things that we can say to each other, but a broken spirit so that the Holy Spirit can speak to us. I, I recognize that. I love what history teaches us. History reminds us of Luther's act that 
opened the Reformation when he nailed the 95 Thesis to the door of the church. The first statement said, now be patient here, the first statement said, our Lord and Master Jesus Christ willed the entire life of the believers to be one of repentance. One of repentance. I want to preach that. That the idea that, that we enter into salvation, and in fact the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, it begins by repentance. And so we repent and we recognize that we are sinners and that we fall short of the glory of God. That's what the scripture teaches us. And that we need God's grace. And so we receive that grace, not by anything that we've done, but because of what Jesus has already done for us on the cross. Amen. We were talking about that last night and in common. Jesus has done it. Amen. And so we become recipients of grace and we rejoice in that and we recognize that all begins in, in repentance. Are you following me, guys? Tracking? It's repentance. And so we begin that process. And, and then what happens, we begin, begin to be aware of some other things like pride. You know, pride's the enemy of the righteous life, by the way. I mean, right relationship with the Lord. If there is a barrier, it's pride. Remember, pride cometh before a fall. And so we recognize that pride must be dealt with and, and, and removed as we are walking in Christ. And, and in all of this, it brings us where we glimpse the glory of our Father in heaven. And we glimpse the hope and the, the moment when the eastern sky breaks open and Jesus Christ shall return. Hallelujah. And we experience all of the eternal glory of the Father. But I need to back up and backtrack and rewind because it all began in sacrifice when Jesus Christ died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, hallelujah, then comes to us this eternal glory that we have that comes to us through Jesus Christ. So live as if to embrace humility and repentance. Fathers, dads. And then the third idea is to live, and here's the last one. The third idea, dads, is to live, to live in the gospel. To live in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Galatians 2, uh, verse 15, I think around 15, Paul confronts Cephas for pressuring Gentiles about the laws, actually standards that Cephas was not living up to himself. I mean, think about that for a moment, intellectually. So he's trying to press upon the Gentiles these ideas that he was not even, you know, living up to himself. And so Paul kind of addresses that. In fact, in 14, he starts saying, he says, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? I mean, why are you you're saying this, but you're doing this? Why are you talking out of this side of the mouth, but then you're doing something else over here? And then he says, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, the law through the law, no one will be justified. And so you see what he's saying He's saying that when we are living in the gospel, that is Jesus Christ, when we are living in the gospel, it is the gospel that becomes, you see, the answer in life, dads. It becomes the answer in the midst of, of the troubles that we face. It, it becomes the answer in the storm. And no matter how hard the wind blows and no matter what we're going through, Jesus Christ, Jesus is the answer. 
Hallelujah. He, he's like the anchor. I, I don't know much about navigation on, on water. In the air I do, but not on water. Uh, I've only owned one boat. But while I owned a boat there in Florida, I learned there is such a thing as a sea anchor. How many know what a sea anchor is? I'm not talking about just an anchor that hits the bottom of the ocean. But it's a sea anchor that, that does not go to the bottom of the ocean, but it hangs Low, deep down below the boat. And some of them are kind of shaped like a windsock, kind of like a funnel, like a windsock with a heavy ring and metal. And, and so what it does is it slows the boat down. It hangs down deep and trails behind it. And, and it's let out in the storm. And when the wind is blowing, the waves are crashing. It is the sea anchor down deep that is stabilizing the craft, stabilizing the boat so that the waves will not wash it over. What I'm saying, dads, what I'm saying, folks, is that Jesus is the sea anchor. That Jesus is the one that is down deep and the one that is, that is our answer. Jesus is our hope. How many believe that this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. And I don't know what you're facing and what you're going through, but I know this, that, that man, when things are tough and it seems like, man, we're about to sink. Have you ever been there? I mean, financially, have you ever been there? Emotionally, have you ever been there where you're about to sink? Or maybe you've been rejected. I wonder if you've ever been there. But in the midst of that, you see, is there, there is this anchor that is deep. And that anchor is Jesus Christ. Amen. That is our hope for dads. That is our hope. And that is our strength. And that is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. And I'm passionate about it. Because I've experienced that kind of stabilizing effect in my life. When we've gone through some difficult times and Jesus Christ has been that stabilizing factor in my life. And when the wind was blowing, the storm seemed to be unfair. Why are we going through this? Have you ever asked that question? Why am I having to go through this? You see, Jesus carries us through that. Jesus is the sea anchor that brings us stability when it seems like stability is not possible. When we're out of balance, Jesus brings the balance. And we can trust in that truth that Jesus Christ does that for us. I, I want to invite us to just turn to Jesus right now. I'm going to have the, the band come and the worship team. Why don't you guys come? And as we just prepare for a, a for our response time, you know, maybe you need something like that. Something running deep. You know what I'm saying? That runs deep. That gives you stability in life. It's the truth of Jesus. He can do that. Jesus can bring, be the stabilizing factor in your life. I want to invite you to say, Jesus, just call out to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I need your strength. It, it is possible, listen, it is possible that you are at the end of yourself. It says fathers do not exasperate their children. But it's also possible that life has exasperated you. And you need some stabilizing reality in your life. Jesus wants to be that reality. Jesus wants to bring stability to you because Jesus is our hope. He is our answer. He is our Savior. He wants to be your Savior. I want to invite us to just worship Jesus as we respond.